Welcome to Everyday Driver, where cars are more than just transportation. They're freedom, a common ground, a way to grow, and can even make life better. We're here to help everyone find a car they love and discover all the ways cars connect us. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is The Car Debate. We're back, and we have winners. I don't know if you noticed, but on our Instagram on Sunday, we posted blurred-out odometer pictures of both of our cheap sports cars, and the winner is the person that guesses closest to the actual mileage of each of these cars, which we have been driving even here in the winter. What is the person that guesses closest? They get a nice little ceramic family kit from Griot's. They win it, and we have winners. We do. Congratulations for the Z4 guest to Ben Cohen. He is Kazoo Ben, 93 Ben, congratulations. You're going to be getting a ceramic family kit. And also, Chris Sun guessed correctly for the SLK. The SLK currently has 155,169 miles, and Chris guessed 34 miles off of that, 155, 135. So, Chris, congratulations to you both. I'm excited for you to use these products. Ben was very close. He he guessed 116,434, and it is 116,398 when the photo was taken. (laughs) That's very close. So, congratulations, guys. And thanks to all of you for guessing. Thanks for uh, being game. Yeah, for sure. It's what uh, we love Griots. They love to give away products like Mm -hmm. that and, and get their products into the hands of you guys. And, by the way, the code is eDriver. When you're checking out yep. for 2021. So that is the new code. That is 15% and, uh, off yeah. all liquids and 10% yeah. off everything else. And their stuff is killer. My my dad is being educated with his new Corvette. <laughs> I'm telling him, you need some Griot's products. He's like, I need what now? He, he He's he's like a kid. He's he's now soaking up knowledge for me. It's the I'm funniest so... thing. It's the funniest thing. He's like, so tell me about this. I'm like, well, okay, all We've right, let's talk about that. We've been doing this for a while. We have. But now it's he has a, a car that connects the worlds. So it's funny. very interesting and it's going to be so very funny. fun. Well, Hatch Recipe aired. That is the Mazda 3 Turbo mm-hmm. against the Volkswagen Golf R. That already aired but that will air again mm-hmm. on Season 8 on the Motor Trend Cable Channel. And it will come to Hopefully. YouTube soon, too. Yes. Yeah. YouTube because we think it's important to get that out. So you probably have noticed that we're releasing older TV episodes on mm-hmm. our main YouTube channel and the reason is we now have an outlet to do that. To be able to show you they're already on, they've aired on TV, they've been on streaming, mm-hmm. and now we want to share them on YouTube. Mm-hmm. But because because the Mazda 3 is so timely, and also because there's been so many emails asking for what the Mazda 3 Turbo delivers, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and crazy enough, we had a tough time pairing that car up with yeah. the right competitor yeah. right now, which is why we're releasing that video sooner rather than later on YouTube. Because the Golf R, the current Golf R, is the absolute right competition for that as far as yes. the, the stats and what it is, the hatchback and all-wheel drive. But the next Golf R that's not here yet but is coming the is going 8. to be a se- yes. separate class above where the Mazda 3 is It'll targeted. more powerful yes. and more expensive, yes. far out of the category. So it was very enough, interesting yes. to have that Golf R. I hope you guys enjoyed that. Again, that's coming to YouTube in like a week or 10 days. We'll have it out in the next couple yeah. weeks for sure. Cool. So that'll be cool to have that out there so that's happening there's so much going on we also have new shirts on Blipshift. i'm very excited about this one <laughs> i'm so glad somebody at Blipshift happened to see my christmas photo my merry christmas photo that i posted on instagram of my lotus in the snow and they got inspired and they drew in Blipshift style my lotus elise and then we tagged it with the slogan that says add brightness because it's super yellow, in case you haven't noticed. That shirt is right now available on our Blipshift store. Go to everydaydriver.com, go to the store tab, go to Blipshift. If you go to Amazon, you can find my novel and movies and lots of other stuff. But if you go to Blipshift, of course, that's where all our shirts are now, and that one's just been added. Ministry of Finance shirt is still there. It is. I have one more shirt to add to that, because mm-hmm. many of you have liked our discussion about what defines a sports car. Yes. And I th- we're, we're working up ideas right now, because many of you, enough mm-hmm. people have mm-hmm. asked for a shirt that you know says, what is a sports car, and yeah, then yeah, yeah. some sort of graphic to go, go along with that. So we're working on that as well, mm-hmm. to be so determined. For the next few weeks, because remember, this is the key thing that sometimes I forget, honestly, about, about Blift Shift. They have a shirt. And it's available for a few weeks Mm -hmm. of just now's the order time. And then it goes off of ordering and it kind of vanishes for a bit. Mm -hmm. So the next couple of weeks is when that ad brightness shirt is available. I've already ordered it for myself and for my son and as a piece of wall art because there's my car. I got a little <laughs> geeky about it, I have to admit, but you it's there. Should. It's very cool. You yeah. should. That's awesome. Well, also on TV, the last episode of Season 8 is coming this week, the C8 Corvette Stingray versus the Porsche 718 Cayman. And our thinking there is no longer does the C8 Corvette compete against the 911. 
911 as a True. base car. Look this up, by the way. They start at $99,000. And they go a, up quickly. A regular old 911. 992. That's no extras of all, any yes. kind. You're going you're yes. to breathe on that car. It's going to be 110. For yeah. decades, the typical matchup mm-hmm. has been the Corvette against the 911. The 911 doesn't compete anymore because of the Corvette mid-engine goodness. Mm-hmm. And Porsche does make a mid-engine car. It's called the Cayman. Yep. And so we shot both those cars with the specs on both of them being as low as we could get them. Yes. So it was an LT, uh, 2LT, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, Corvette. Yes. But the 718 was just a base, regular, plain Jane, old Cayman, 718 Cayman. With the PDK and PDK. a couple little extras, but not much. I mean, both those yeah, cars, keep it down. the list price starts at just under sixty grand, like the 59 99 99 That's where it is. But yes. So the, the Cayman is under seventy. And the Corvette we had is just over 70. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. an interesting matchup. I'm very excited about that episode. That one's coming, as you said, that later this week. And we have podcast announcements while we're here. By the way, welcome to the podcast. This is 573 podcasts, this episode right here, which yes. means yes. two podcasts from now. Next Tuesday will be an all-questions podcast. No car debates. They come fast. They do come fast. Amazing. All questions from you guys. These will be car-related questions. And then to piggyback on that, in case you don't know, <clears throat> this is good and bad news, everybody. <laughs> Valentine's Day is coming. Everybody has strong feelings about Valentine's Thanks, Day. Thanks, Hallmark. However you feel about it, that there's good, there's bad. I understand. It's coming. But that'll be a weekend is Valentine's Day this yeah. year. Friday the 12th, we will be releasing a podcast. So we're going to have a Valentine's special podcast. Now, this sounds weird, but stay with me. This is going to be kind of cool. My wife is going to be on the podcast and she's going to be yeah. representing non-car spouses, non-car significant others. If you have a significant other who looks at you like my wife sometimes looks at me, which is, why do you like cars this much? I don't get it. <laughs> and they've, tri- they've tried. Your significant other has tried to understand, and they yeah. don't. Well, you've heard the term golf widow. Yes. Same kind of thing. Only what is the term for – it's not car widow, but what is the, yeah. the equivalent terminology for that? So if you have the person you love looking at you, not really sure why you like cars quite this much, this is the podcast for them. Because what we're going to do is we're going to ask for questions from your spouses, from your significant others, the questions that they don't want to ask you. Mm-hmm. The yeah. questions that yeah. – look, it could be the question that they feel like it's too dumb. It Those could, kind of questions are welcome, actually, that, because absolutely. all of us car enthusiasts, we've forgotten more than other people will already, ever learn, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> We're throwing that aside. Mm-hmm. That is out. It's any question goes. It's going to be anything related. It can be yes. literally, why on earth do you like them so much? It can literally be, what does all-wheel drive mean? It can be, uh, what is what is, if there's a third pedal in the floorboard of this car, what is that? I, I don't care what the question is. They can mm-hmm. be as basic as you want. It can be anything about this crazy car disease we have. My wife and I are going to sit here and have a conversation. Paul will join us, of course, as well. We're going to have a conversation about all of those things. And my wife is going to ask me questions. And you're going to get to crazy little window on our marriage. That'll be interesting and hopefully good. <laughs> hopefully there'll be no fighting. No, I'm kidding. But th- that'll be a really good podcast. In honor of Valentine's Day, my wife actually said, I'd really like to do that. It'd be fun. I think that's cool. So we're going to do that. She's game for some interesting questions. Yeah. And I like the one that you told me you're going to ask back to her because she is one of those people that likes to sit up high. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Why? We're going to talk about all these. I want to know. We're going to have it'll be both sides of the equation. The car diseased and the non trying to meet in the middle. I'm excited. It's gonna be cool. Piece of interesting news here today. Ford announced a Google strategic partnership. They are partnering for at least the next six years for all of the electronics and and Mm. all of the apps that Google provides and all the information into Ford's future vehicles. What's most interesting about that is the Reddit page discussing this. Because of course there's a Reddit page. Of course there is. It's actually our cars, our slash cars. Of course it is, yeah. And the most interesting comment so far that got me thinking was – do we really want Google tracking the vehicle data? They they don't just collect the data with the intent to learn everything about you. It's to produce advertisements. Mm-hmm. So will hot rodding in the future mean that your car is completely free of advertisements? I've hot rodded my car. <laughs> it looks pretty much the same. No, 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 no. <laughs> There's no ads. I put in the ad blocker. And the car doesn't know. Nobody knows where the car is when I drive That's it. That's funny and terrible, yeah. That's what hot rodding for the future will mean. So maybe that becomes a topic Tuesday in the future. Well, and also, here's a scary thought. It might be the world where your car won't start if the satellite can't find it. Can you imagine that world? Let's hope not. I can imagine but that world is horrifying. there will be horrifying. an industry of 
people circumventing that with other lines of, of course code. they will oh yeah yeah they'll they'll be it's it's a code free for all look out one thing you can never have enough of is car stuff and that's why we love haggerty drivers club starting at 45 dollars a year you'll get six issues of their award-winning haggerty drivers club magazine chock full of interesting reads and beautiful photos and you'll get access to members-only live streams on topics like car values, automotive history, and do-it-yourself tutorials. Plus, membership comes with tons of automotive discounts, including a deal of the week, which is always an incredible deal and lasts only a couple of days. If you love cars half as much as we do, this is the club for you. Learn more at Haggerty.com slash Everyday Driver. We haven't done car conclusions in a long time, and many of you have written to us with such great stories, and the one we're going to end on is especially juicy, so you'll like that, but we've got to dive in here from Jake B. Jake wrote to us for episode 535, and he's giving us an update here. You remember that he owned a Chevy Lumina. He said that Lumina has been bid farewell, sent off to the junkyard as punishment for its movie plot style antics. <laughs> he's okay. Well, every, everything he had was... Um, how do I put this tactfully? Well used uh, was the best way I can think. Well of enjoyed, it. yes, enjoyed. A that's, long, that's perfect. Yes. So the Lumina time. was one of them, but that doesn't take away the fact that uh, what is the other one? The Bronco and oh, the Blazer. Sorry, Blazer, yeah. the Blazer that he continues to work on, and we were trying to get him out of the Lumina and into anything else. That is where they started. That's right. Well, he was away from home for the entirety of September. He says most of October due to work. Over that same period, his company laid off half his team, and it made oh him gosh. reevaluate what he needed for a daily driver. He missed the podcast episode with our suggestions, but after he made it through the riff, it made him think about how he should dial things back and take a conservative approach <laughs> since he already had these two fun vehicles. Okay. At the end of October, he said he was looking at a $5,000 Honda Fit. He decided to venture off into the Hyundai dealership to see if they had any deals. And he found one. He walked out of there with a 2020 Hyundai Elantra SE lease for $100 a month. That's that's really kind of please take our car. Hundred bucks a month. Yeah, that's one nice dinner out. Yeah, hundred bucks yeah, a month. Yeah, he said the great warranty plus complimentary maintenance. He doesn't have to worry about a thing on the car, which is liberating given the Lumina, <laughs> which was <laughs> not that. Yeah, he says until he gets something to differentiate it, he may lose in a parking lot, but at least he shouldn't end up on the side of the road or rolling through a mountain pass without brakes. That car will run. That's right. Yeah, brakes are important. And, and, and that was the thing. Every one of the cars he had had a big question mark over its head. <laughs> so to have a car that is brand new. I was thinking more of a new, black rain cloud, but yeah, we'll go with question that mark. That is brand new with all the maintenance and will definitely work. I, I honestly kind of can't imagine the kind of pressure valve release that is for Jake. Now, he had looked at a Bart's, mm -hmm. but he's happy at what the Elantra represents, he says. Worry-free, reliable, amazingly fuel-efficient, and that he did enjoy my suggestion here about getting him into an Evo GSR. They're loud, and they're angry, and they're thrashy. They're all of the above. But yes. they're a lot of fun. They are very fun, yeah. He's also not ready to... Oh, that's right. He had a charger. Yeah, the charger's there, too. He's not ready too. to let go of the charger yet. But what this has done is free him up to spend other money on the Blazer and the charger mm -hmm. and... He, he doesn't have to worry about his other two cars anymore because the, he's got this. The, the Lumina was the the daily unreliable thing. Now he's got daily and well, reliable. That's what the Lumina was supposed to be is like, that's my main car right there. Uh -huh, it was Lumina. pretty questionable. Jake, I'm thrilled for you. Yeah, it's very and I cool. love your reverse thinking because we always concentrate on you got out of a boring car and you got into the fun sports car. Mm -hmm. Your thinking was reversed here, which yeah, is great. Yeah, yeah. And why not get a car that suits your life for this point in time mm -hmm. for a hundred bucks a month? Yeah. You're absolutely right. It's a no brainer. Well, and also I, you're, he's probably at that place based on these cars. He was probably spending a hundred bucks a month to keep something running. Agreed. And now it's hundred bucks a month and it will definitely run. It's just love it. There. Love it. That's great. I'm thrilled. Jared Rose wrote in. He was back on episode uh, 493. He's, uh, he's writing in about he was wanting to buy a forever car. And we were like, mm, that's hard. It's, it's <laughs> really very difficult mm, to buy a, like a know, one forever car. $20 million something. He, well, he just graduated from law school. He's beginning his professional career. That's right. And he was going to buy a car for forever. And we were like, that's really difficult and scary. We recommended lots of things. And uh, he was very interested in the Mustang GT350, which we liked. But if I remember correctly, I think we were both like, I don't know that that's a forever car. Yeah. I think it's a fun now car. It's a very cool car. You know, that's fun, Bobby, right now. But yeah, I don't know for if sure. that's the long-term car. He had what he describes, thank you, as a two-third Corvette monetary unit. 
and he was looking around, and we recommended, let's be honest, what did we recommend? We had the Boxster Spider, which would be great, the Elise old 80s 911s. We had a couple of random things in there. Paul brought up the new Super that's possible. I brought up the Miata RS because I think that is a timeless car. He drove lots of things, but while driving, I love this left turn, the stakes, a GT350 Mustang, he had the opportunity to also get into a Boss 302 Laguna Seca which was, if you will, the best of the solid rear axle cars. This is amazing. I didn't see this coming. Jared. I didn't either. I didn't either. Yeah, yeah. Holy cow. Well, this car is the ingot silver with the red stripes and wheels. And Jared's not sure if it was a rarity, but it's got that exhaust note, of course, 7,500 RPM red line, the ostentatious red wheels and stripes. But he says, I think it's my soft spot for a naturally aspirated V8 engine in his last test drive in the Laguna Seca. He says that left its mark. Mm. It surpassed the enjoyment in all the other cars he had test driven, including that GT350. That's fascinating. Which at that price point didn't feel like the forever car. Mm. Mm. He says that the new one just, well, the 2012 feels a little more alive and analog than the GT350. And he didn't have to spend as much either. That's very true. And he says, I still can't believe... I now own a car I once considered a dream car. That's amazing. I love that when that happens. That feeling is, ah, yeah, yeah I, totally. I agree. It's something to aspire to, but you did it without spending the dollars we associate with doing that. Yeah, for sure. He, he actually says, spent less than he was prepared to spend, yeah. which is amazing. Yeah. He says he might be a little biased, but he thinks it's a moment in time car for Ford. I don't know that we've considered that, but you might be right because it's the ultimate live axle Mustang. It's end of an era car for sure. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Jared, I hope you have a lot of fun with that car. I hope it does stay in your stable. Let's use all the pony car terms now. But I hope it does stay in your garage (laughs) for a long time. It's galloped and found its way home. Oh, stop. I should stop. You're right. Matt Matt Lonahan, uh, he's actually written to us before because I don't know if you remember this. When he first wrote in, He wrote in because he was looking for a worthwhile cross-country bomber to take to Monterey (laughs) for car week. That's right. And he wound up because he had a, a 2014, still does, 2014 CTS wagon. And he liked it. He also had a 2017 GT350. Liked that too, but he didn't feel like either of those were the right car to put a bunch of miles on for just a huge monster road trip that ends up in Monterey. He ended up getting a 2018 Jaguar XF Sport Brake at the time. Keep in mind, he also still has the CTSV wagon. This is a man with two (laughs) wagons in his garage, which is awesome, Matt. This is all the stuff that was going on, but he decided that because he wasn't able to take any of the trips that we all wanted to take in 2020, (laughs) he should should calm himself by buying a car. I I loved the email so much, Matt, (laughs) because the headline was, I'm buying a car just to buy a car. For no other reason. It's Tuesday. You know what? I feel like buying a car. I should Chasing the new experience. I think I should buy a car. Do I need a car? Nope. Let's buy a car. And it's also the whole process of... I mean, here's the thing. I just went through this tangentially with my dad. That's, that's and I true. Had, and I had fun. With, I had so much fun with it. My wife was like, why are you enjoying this so much? I was like, because I get to research, test drive, and possibly be involved in the purchase of a car that is new to me and going to be in my life. And then even better in my case, I didn't have to pay for it, which was also oh, a bonus. Yeah. But all of the rush of just the find and the drive and the ponder and the, all these kind of things, that is genuinely fun. And Matt's doing that. But that also, your dad's story tied in with what Jared experienced. He didn't have to spend a bunch of money to get his dream. You're right. He's thought You're about it his right. whole life. This could be your dad's long-term car. You're right. As you said, it's going to be in your family, in the Deacon family, for a long time. You're right. So the interesting thing about Matt, though, is that he went, all right, I'm going to buy a car for the heck of it. I'm going to give myself a solid cap of 10 it's grand. Wednesday. Well, but it's Wednesday. Let's he, buy a But car. he also looked at this. All the, the trips he would have normally taken in 2020, he didn't take. Uh, he fair couldn't enough. go off and get those new experiences. He wasn't spending money on travel. He just said, I'm going to give myself a $10,000 cap. I'm going to buy another car. It can't be white. Thank and you. it can't be a wagon because he already has two of each. Okay, fair enough. So, and you said ten thousand dollars firm, yes, ten thousand okay. dollars for sure. And low miles for the year. It was just something to do that was something different. He wanted something a little bit unusual, so he started shopping around. And then he went. Honestly, I think the worst place on the planet for I don't want to spend very much. <laughs> but he's used to going to Monterey. He went on bring a trailer. And he started just throwing uh-huh. money at things, which is problematic because, of course, all those start quickly walking away. He was having trouble Boredom, finding, huh? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> having trouble finding something decent. I mean, here's the thing. I love bring a trailer, and then I promptly, like, force myself to close the browser. True. Because the number has, like, I should be bidding. No, I shouldn't. 
Although, Matt, my sister has always said my entire life, if you're bored, it's your fault. <laughs> and I've always thought of that. Like, uh, yeah, I guess it is my fault. What am I going to do right now? All right. So trust. something gets figured out. <laughs> well, in your case, it's bring a trailer. Yes. And after going around with old Mercedes and some boxers and all kinds of things, he ended up buying a car I did not see coming. Did Nobody see did. Matt didn't see it coming. It's not white. It's not a wagon. Bonus points for being convertible. It is a 1992 Cadillac Alante with the removable hardtop. 60,000 miles. Got it for 8450 under 8,500 miles, exceptionally clean, decent paint. He said, here's why I shouldn't have bought this car. By the way, Matt did buy this car. He has it. He's driving it. He's, he gave us a fantastic bullet-pointed list of the reasons he shouldn't have bought it. The first one is it's an Elante. The second one is it's yes. front-wheel drive. It has, a black, it has a black interior. He lives in the Dallas area, which means the convertible top down is going to be an absolute leg burner. Yeah, yeah, true. By the way, Matt, you know that you can enter Italian car shows with that thing, right? Yes, you can show up at the gate and like demand to be let in. You can. You can be that guy because the body was designed by Pininfarina. So I, mm, in Monterey, and oh, it's been years now, but I went to an Italian car show thinking I'd see real Italian beauty. And there was a row of Elantes, and I went, what the? Oh, right. That's Dang right. It. So you can do this. On his list of reasons he shouldn't have bought the car is one that I think is a reason to have bought the car. That is, this is what Sylvester Stallone drove in Tango and Cash. Yes. Watches Whiskey and Stallone yes. will still happen, I promise you. We've already watched that one, and boy, did we laugh and make notes, and boy, am I looking forward to going back through that. He's had the car a little over a week at the time he wrote it into us, and uh, he, <laughs> he said he thinks there's 60 buttons on the dash. It took him forever and a download and read of the manual to understand what most of it does, and he's still thrilled he bought it. I just love that you said, not only are the roof controls poorly designed, they're ridiculously complicated, too. <laughs> Reminds me of the Pontiac Solstice and the Saturn Sky when they came out. They have a fantastic roof line with the top up. Sure, but, but yeah, of to modern with convertibles, it. they are the only one I can think of. The only one I can think of where you have to get out of the car to put the top down. <laughs> I mean, on my dad's 60 or any, you know, the Jaguar E-Types you got out of the car, you're like, yeah, uh-huh. And a convertible top. A lot can top. be forgiven with that car. Yes. Uh, everything. But, but also that era. Yeah. Okay? But now yeah, we're in exactly. a world where you can, with one hand, you can drop the top on the Miata manually. But the it's S2000, true. your SLK, my Z4. Every, think of another convertible, modern convertible, where you have to get out. The solstice yeah. in the sky, you had to get out. He doesn't have to get out. He just has has to have the manual with him to figure out how to drop the top in the Elante. I love this story, Matt. Thanks for buying that car for fun. Brant writes to us with a stopgap car story here. He's found the podcast several months back, just when he started getting more serious about getting a weekend car. He says he listened to a few episodes and then immediately started going through the back catalog. Brant, thank you so much. Yes. His car history is a 2000, year 2000 Ford Ranger, 98 Ford Expedition, an 06 Jeep Wrangler, and a 2014 Nissan Titan. Well, he says in 20 years of driving, he's owned trucks and SUVs, but never a car. Amazing. Okay, all right. And then in the past year, he started having to travel for work too, to the tune of 14,000 miles for work in the past year, just for work. And so he's come to hate driving, which is, of course, what we don't want, Brandt. But in addition to his normal 15-mile commute, he has to drive 100 miles each way to another site twice a week, mm. which became mind-numbing in his Titan. He needed to make a change so he could enjoy driving again. Now, I'd been considering a weekend car along the lines of an inexpensive NA or NB Miata. Sure, yeah. And then he heard us on, on an episode where we referenced how often people actually need trucks compared to the times how many people have them because they think they need them. And let me clarify here. We've talked about this before, and some people that have watched our test drives on pickups are frustrated with us for daring to talk about how they are for daily usage. But the big thing I think about is – a lot of people – I grew up in Texas. This is very common in Texas, very common throughout the South. You drive a pickup daily, mm -hmm. and you can mm -hmm. probably count on fingers and toes the number of times it towed anything, carried anything, or hauled anything. Yeah. And yet you own a big truck. And that's always our question is, okay, but how do you use this the most? You have a truck ride with an empty bed 365 days a year, and then there's five days a year you use it like a truck. Yeah. I'm not saying there aren't the people out there that use them like trucks all the time. There are many. There and, are many. And trucks but are great happened to for that. But the interesting thing is that Brant started going, how often do I use it like a truck? And he concluded 
Eight or nine times in two years, he used it for truck things. We'll give it. We'll give you five times a year. Yes, that's maybe five weekends, maybe five days. Mm-hmm. That he's, was his conclusion when he actually thought yeah. about how do I use this thing. Huge realization. He says that combined with the fact that he found out he's going to get a company truck that he can occasionally use for personal use. Problem solved. Okay, yeah. And his Titan was starting to get a little long in the tooth, he says, 130,000 miles, which made him realize he wanted something nicer than a Miata. So he started turning his sights toward Porsche. Well done, Brant. Got rid of the Titan, and we're moving on, yeah. He was searching for a Cayman 911 in the twenty-five dollars to $30,000 price range, but he says one problem, there's very few Porsches for sale around him and rarely in any... Are they in that price range? But he didn't want to daily an older Porsche for the next several months and then rack up a ton of miles and potentially expensive maintenance. And he says, since he's never owned a car, he doesn't know what he thinks about his car preferences. That's an interesting point. That's very fascinating. He's never had to confront that question, which is interesting. He'd rather not get something he thinks he only wants to just have and then he hates some part of it shortly thereafter, Mm. especially if, if he's had to travel to go get it. So that brought him to a stopgap car. This car will serve as the daily until the company truck arrives, teach him what he likes and dislikes about cars, essentially answering the question, and thus helping him make a better informed long-term decision on a future weekend car. He does love the look of that Miata RF, and they are gorgeous. So he went to a, a local dealership that had a used 2017 automatic. He would have held out for the ND2 manual, but it was the only RF around. He wanted to see it in person before seriously shopping. But then after he arrived at the dealership, he found out he wasn't allowed to test drive it unless the deal had been signed because sports car. So, Brant, you've added to the definition of what a sports car is. <laughs> Things the dealer won't let you test drive. <laughs> exactly. That's, that's on there. The car that's you're not good. allowed to drive before buying. You you're have not to supposed buy to have first. and you're not allowed to test drive. That's awesome. But the big thing that Brant discovered is when he got in the car, not even having a test drive, got in the car, he realized – this isn't enough space for me. Mm-hmm. And, and I relate to you, man, because every time I drive a Miata, I really like it, but I wish I was about three inches shorter and then I'd actually fit. So I do get that. Indeed, indeed. So the second option was an 86 or BRZ. He's heard us talk about him. He wasn't terribly concerned about the lack of power or the torque dip because he's not one for really driving fast anyway. So we checked Auto Tempest once every couple of weeks to see if there were any for sale in the area, but very few, apparently. Okay. The few that did pop up always sold before he could make it to the dealership. But then a week before he wrote to us, he saw a local dealership had a 2018 BRZ in that World Rally Blue with the Mm. six-speed and only 12,000 miles. That's off to a very good start. I like it. Wow. And... He got to test drive it. Does that mean it's Whoa. not a sports car, though? Uh, technically still a sports car because nobody can believe he sold his truck and actually bought this. This is what happened. He actually drove it, and he suddenly realizes so many of the things we've talked about, like a car rotating. He never understood yeah. that. Now he owns a sports car and goes, oh, can feel that now shift. I understand what's happening. Yeah. He has bought himself this 2018 BRZ. It didn't cost him nearly what he would have spent on a Porsche, and it's teaching him what he likes and dislikes about cars, and so far he is in love with it, and I am thrilled to hear that. The stopgap car. It's great. Everybody needs a stopgap and, car. And here's the thing. If that car became a long-term car, Brant, it's still an excellent car. Just plugs up that little hole in your heart where you just need a sports car. Also, plug up the sound tube in the passenger oh, football. You'll too, be happier, yeah. speaking of plugging things up. Yeah, Indeed. Dale M. is in Australia writing to us after he heard the classic car restoration episode 566. Dale, thank you so much. Great to hear from you. He's a big fan of the show and a huge Dotson tragic fan, he says. He owns a 1971 240Z and sent us a fantastic photo. He says, we had mentioned companies like Singer. Mm -hmm. Singer is a good example of companies doing the the rebuild, the remanufacture, the make it better. Apparently, four Nissans for the 240Z, it already exists. They're based in the UK. They're called MZR Road Sports. He sent us a link, mzrroadsports.co.uk. I love the car that you sent, mm. and you're absolutely right. There's more and more companies popping up actually doing this, and it lends the the thought, okay, what's next? What other car could we do that to to make it better, keep it alive? It's great. This, this next car conclusion is not one we get often. 
We get the person yes. that writes to us and says, I need to get a car and I need my minister of finance to approve. And then they go over budget. The minister of finance isn't thrilled about it, but they're thrilled about it. And we get that email. This is not that because we got the email from the minister of finance. Yes. The MOF wrote yes. to us. Yes. Episode 552, we actually had a discussion for, uh, for Morgan who was looking for a car and he was looking for something genuinely special, long-term special. And his wife writes in as the Minister of Finance to tell this awesome story. His wife is Maggie, and she says, Good evening, Todd and Paul. One and a quarter C8 units almost turned into three. So wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. What? So a hundred grand almost <laughs> becomes 300 grand? Craziness. All right. She says, This Minister of Finance holds the both of us responsible. We read his letter on the air, yes, and he says, <clears throat> I recommended the AMG GT. See, I was holding the price down. We we both were within and price. And recommended the Lotus Evora. Mm-hmm. Both of those are around a C8 monetary unit or one and a quarter. Yeah, for sure. So Morgan and Maggie did their drive homework. They tracked those down in other cars and put them to the test. Mm-hmm. The Evora search took them to Austin, Texas, where they drove an automatic 2020 Evora, which was wicked fast, but apparently all brawn and no finesse. It was an automatic that's that's the issue, yeah. Because right. finesse is what I would actually use as a descriptor for that car, but I do understand that the automatic mutes it. That's very interesting. I'm thrilled that you, you tracked one down, though. That's hard to do. This particular dealership, she says, is where they also found a 2017 V12 manual Vantage convertible. The V12 Vantages are hard <laughs> to find, and they are awesome. They went home after drooling over it, but not driving it. Okay. Two weeks later, her husband Morgan went up with two-thirds of their boys. I know it's two of your three boys, but I read that as two-thirds <laughs> of your boys. But it's listed like two-thirds. But it still works. Yeah, we took most of the boys. Two-thirds of your kids. Yeah. To see the car again, then on another trip with the third boy, and he drove it. Then apparently Morgan made an offer on it, but within minutes of hearing his lower... That asking offer was rejected. Someone else bought the car. Someone outbid his low offer. They outbid him, and the car walked away. After three trips to see this car, the car walked away. But it left them completely fixated on a V12 Vantage. That's easy to do, but they're hard to find. They are. But he found another one. He put a deposit on a 1 of 100 2017 V12 VS Roadster in California. Even more rare, the Vantage S V12. Yeah. 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 With ticket in hand, hours away from boarding the plane to California, the last-minute check of Auto Tempest revealed a 2012 <laughs> V12 in quantum silver located in Miami. This is what a car disease, a car, a car obsession with a specific car, and an approving minister of finance gets you. Is this story? This is what happens. They exchanged their airfare, their plane tickets, mm-hmm. and instead went to Miami. And she says this car was beautiful, a drool-worthy beast. But again, apparently the dealership became squirrels with the service records, and this car also got away. California came back into into contention, but she says, Mega says, this minister was not sitting well with the $170,000 price point. So the search continued. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that was the bridge too far when we got way, way up there. But their local Austin... Aston Martin knew they were looking for one. That's the one they went to see three times and yeah. it didn't land. Found them another one, called out and said, hey, we've got a 2012 V12 Vantage. You want to come down and look at it? Within a week, they went down. Morgan took his wife with him. Minister of Finance approved. They looked. They drove. They closed the deal. They are now proud owners of a V12 Vantage. That is awesome. I am thrilled for you guys. Morgan, I'm going to quote your original email here. Mm-hmm. You said that you need something that makes you want to go to the grocery store for a pinch of parsley or just <laughs> nonsense that goes – that's an excuse to drive. Yep. I challenge you to go to the grocery store for parsley only. That's it. <laughs> just parsley. Yep. Check out. Yep. Drive home. Yep. Well done. Can you pay for it and change? Just just buy parsley. Pay for it and change. Leave. Get go Get back home. in your Aston yes. V12. Absolutely. Vintage. Fantastic. You've heard us talk about drive homework because it's vital to drive a lot of things when you're trying to find your next car. Knowing your options is incredibly important. And this applies to online shopping too. You don't want to search just one website unless that site is searching all the other ones for you. That's why we love Auto Tempest. We know you've heard us talk about it before and we hope you've already seen how far you can shop with just one search. Auto Tempest pulls from all the top used car sites at once so you know you won't miss that ideal car. Autotempest.com. All the cars. One search.
Another Todd writes to us, Todd B. in northern Indiana, who apparently doesn't need a fun car. It's not why he's writing. Sure you don't. I mean, wait, what? Sure you don't. Could that be a t-shirt? It needs to be said sarcastically, though, with a voice dripping with sarcasm. Sarcasm is is difficult on shirts. It It really is. It's also difficult in emails. That's why everybody labels it. Yeah. Todd B. says, Dear Todd and Paul, he needs help. He loves cars, and his wife could care less. We got a podcast coming up for her, by the way. Anyway, yeah. That's right. He's not asking for marriage help, but she is the world's worst backseat driver. Ooh. If your wife is now listening to this, Todd, I'm sorry. And hello to your wife. Yeah. They currently own a 2004 Explorer that they purchased in 05 for half the original cost. Wow. Okay, good job. This has been a great vehicle for them. The body has seen better days in northern Indiana, and the kids are now grown, apparently, though, so it's time for to look for another vehicle. His wife is insisting on an SUV again, although the third seat is not required this time. Okay. She doesn't like the styling of most of the newer crossover and SUVs because they look like high-sitting cars. But yet cars are not an option for her, and she does like to sit higher in a vehicle because it makes her feel safer. Okay. Now, Todd B. currently drives between 300 and 400 miles a week in a very boring, lackluster, uninfluential, powerless Equinox provided by his employer. (laughs) Do you like that car? I kind of get the sense you don't. I don't know why. (laughs) I'm just sensing sensing that it's not your favorite. Yeah. They're planning to buy soon. They want something that's still fun to drive, comfortable, has some performance. Okay. There's no fun roads in northern Indiana, so this means there will be road trips to Texas and Florida and California to see the kids and grandson. And find decent roads. I get it. Yeah. His wife's budget is right on $25,000, but Todd B. says, Paul, I might be able to convince her of $30,000 for the right vehicle. Get ready to do extra convincing, Todd B. Uh Uh-oh. It must be able to haul the mountain and road bikes. Okay. It must be able to tow a small camper or trailer occasionally. All right. Now, they have been looking at SUVs, the CX-5, the Q5, the X3 or X5, or the XC40 Volvo or XC60. She also likes the Jeep Grand Cherokee. They plan on doing their drive homework soon, but what else can we recommend? He says, can the Mazda even be compared in this class of vehicles, or are there better options? But he says, my fear with the Mazda is that they don't seem to hold their value as well. Is this because of brand recognition? Todd B. really likes the Q5 and X5, and he wants something reliable. He has no problem finding Mazdas that are a year old in this budget, but I think he's just concerned about long-term residual value, and he Mm. says, in Indiana, it means it's well on its way to corrosion from salted winter roads. Because this is the most important sense in the email, I think. They're looking at keeping this vehicle for another 10 or 15 years. I noticed this, yeah. I noticed that. That changed the equation for everything. Big time, yeah, yeah. Now, there is a side note which explains his email because he says, I don't need a fun car. His daughter and son-in-law currently own, all paid for, a 2018 Explorer, a supercharged 2015 Audi A6, a 2014 Chevy Bolt, a 2016 Ford F-150, a 2015 Challenger SRT8, slightly modified, a 2017 (laughs) Charger, a 2018 Mustang, a 2016 Passat, and a Polaris Slingshot, and that he can use them anytime. Okay. He says, yeah, Dad's a little jealous and proud of what they have accomplished, and he says, by the way, they're only 22 and 24 years old. I I haven't owned that many cars in my life. I maybe have to tally again. But the point is, I'm older no than kidding. that, and that's quite an accomplishment. Well done to them. Wow. Well, yeah, you've got some fun stuff that you can go use. So take advantage of that. But I am focused on the car for the both of you. Mm-hmm. I started out thinking about Toyota Venzas. I started thinking about Toyota RAV4 hybrids or primes. Mm-hmm. I noticed the 2022 Acura MDX is actually announced and released as of today's podcast. Okay. And I thought about Hyundai Palisades. You're above the budget on all of these, though. I am. The reason being is because you told me 10 to 15 years. I see that. I do see that. All of your other choices are great. They all seem like everyday driver usual suspects. Mm Mm-hmm. We'd say yes to all of them. Yep. Mm-hmm. If you yeah. like it yeah, yeah. and it suits you and it's in your budget, do it. But 10 or 15 years ownership? Mm-hmm. Imagine you get a two or three year used vehicle right now and you pay 25 or 30. Yeah. Good on yeah. you. 10 years? 12 years? 14 years from now? Mm-hmm. Really? You're still going to like it with mm, that's a good question. how quickly tech is moving, how yeah. quickly style yeah. is moving, safety size your needs and the amount of miles you're going to put on this. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
I'm thinking less about this car needs to do the fun stuff for you since you do have your daughter and son-in-law and they've got access to cars. Yeah, for sure. Candy over at their house. Apparently (laughs) they brought the candy dish over there. (laughs) So I'm going to ask you to spend more and not focus on the purchase price of the car. On the longevity and the fact he's going to get his money out of it big time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because if you have it that long, you will take advantage of the entire warranty period. Yes. Probably two times over, essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And you're going to put enough miles on it. You're going to have it. It's going to be years. And you're going to know the maintenance from day one. Mm -hmm. That is a good thing about new here, for sure, big time. And you get all the tech and all the style. And I want you to really investigate the car, this car that I'm going to suggest for you. The problem is I don't know the price of it yet. It's oh. too new. Okay. All right. And here I am recommending it without having driven it or seeing it or touched it yet. Wow. This is interesting. This is my level of confidence okay. in all this right. brand right. and in this new vehicle for this segment. They've never touched on this before, but it's sort of like all the other cars you mentioned. And that vehicle is the 2022 Genesis GV70 arriving in oh. mid-2021. I'm recommending it, again, without driving it, without seeing yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's entirely based on what we know about Hyundai and Kia and having mm-hmm. driven Genesis and Hyundai and Kia vehicles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seeing the trajectory of where they're going, knowing the Good people point. who work for the company, both design and engineering, mm-hmm. going, huh, so they, they made that higher, huh? Mm. Well, that's impressive. Okay. Yeah, yeah, wow. yeah. The fact that... That notable person, that name in the car industry, decided to join Hyundai mm-hmm, Kia Genesis. Mm-hmm. Their talent pool also is speaks deep now, big time. I can't get enough of this looking at this car. It's been revealed. It's on the website yeah, yeah. now. You can go yeah, take a look. Sure. There's a video. Sure, yeah. There's stuff about it. They just have not revealed the price yet. It's not going to be cheap, but it's not going to be the worst thing ever. And if you focus on the monthly payments, who cares? Because you're going to have it so long. Doesn't matter. Well, this is the thing that Todd avoids. The thing about buying a new car that so many people are concerned about is the depreciation. But if yes. you've got this long-term kind of, kind of thing, that's actually irrelevant. If you're going to have the car as long as your five, six, seven, some people do eight-year loans are, if you're going to have the car that long, the depreciation that you drive off the lot with that you feel in the first year or two is irrelevant to you because you're playing the long game exactly. and you will outlive those issues and you'll have an asset on the back end. Exactly. But you're right. you got to buy smart up front because this is the long game. For sure. I want you to take a look at, I think, how genuinely pretty the surfaces on this car are on this vehicle and the fact that they're using relatable shapes like really prominent circular tailpipe shapes Mm -hmm. hint of performance but also everything else is just relatable shapes everywhere i think it's one of the best design suvs i've seen in a long time Mm -hmm. it's not just yet another thing it's going wow that looks good moving it looks good in photos i huh that's Mm. pretty interesting this is my consideration for you. All of the other suggestions, yes, yes, those will work, yes. But look at this thing. That's if you're good, having it long term, that's a good recommendation. I do like. What's your name on the list now? Yeah, yeah. That's my thought for you. That's good. I want to run through some of Todd's uh, usual suspects here that he brought up, and I have a recommendation for you that has not already been brought up. Let's talk through some of your standards here first. There is nothing wrong with the Mazda CX-5. Get yourself the turbo version. (laughs) Get the turbo. Because you're going to have it a long time. You're going to be happier with that. But look, it's got all the latest tech. You could get one for your budget. CX-5, yes. Full yes on that. Mm -hmm. I like the the Volvo's XC40 or the XC60, which is the amount of space you need is what defines those. You haven't really told us how much space is enough space. Big fans of the XC40 for sure. It's definitely a very premium feel. I think the Mazda may have better longevity, but I don't think the Volvo would be bad. You brought up the Audi Q5, the BMW X3 and X5. I like those. My problem is that 10 to 15-year life cycle you want for this car, and you're already buying something a few years used. Back to your point, Paul. Mm -hmm. You're going to wind up with a 20-year-old German SUV that is going to need lots of maintenance at the end of the life cycle. If you're going to go that route, German SUV, that you're buying for cheap, I think you should look at the Macan and the Cayenne instead of those you've brought up. Not because there's anything necessarily wrong with the Q5 or like the a, X3, I X5. Like I just think the longevity perspective of the Macans and the Cayennes is going to be better than those others. How long have you had your Cayenne now? Uh, coming up six years. 
Six. I thought it was longer than that. For no, some it's reason. coming up six years, and okay. uh, and that's great. We 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 really really like that car. We bought it in. But I it's guess over it ten 20... years old, though. Yes. Oh, absolutely. So it's imagine a 20, it's a twenty ten. Okay, so yeah. imagine if you had bought that new mm-hmm. and had it, we'll say ten years. Yeah, yeah. Would you still? Do you think you'd still be liking it and driving at this point? I think the answer is yes. I think we'd still like it for sure, but. But back to this point, though, if you're buying one of these German cars that was seventy or eighty grand new, mm-hmm. and you're buying it where it's now at your budget of thirty thousand, yeah. it's probably four or five years old already. Yeah, exactly. And now you're going to have it fifteen more. I I don't know about that. Which brings me to you mentioned them in passing. Take a hard look at the Toyota Rav Four in Prime setup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. I think that's going to be <laughs> we're doubling some, their budget, but you to know, some well, but, but we've addressed I, this. No, but that's yeah, it's around forty grand. But to yeah. some degree, that's future proofed. Yeah, and yeah. I mean it's got all the latest tech right now. But then I hit on something that you could actually get for your budget used. You could get it just above your budget new. Okay, and I think is overlooked and would work really well here. You and your wife should look at the Acura RDX. That's always a good one. Always. They, now there was a refresh for a new front end styling. They got rid of the chrome beak starting in 2019. I've got 2019s in front of me for 30 grand. Mm. So it's a one two-year-old car. Not you bad. might be able to find a 2020 depending on the spec you go with. One or two-year-old car, good turbo engine. Those are really nice inside and out. Take a hard look at the Acura RDX because I think that might solve the problem, Todd. I like that. I like that. Thank you guys for writing in. Really appreciate it. Write to us with your topic Tuesdays, your car conclusions, and your car debates. EverydayDriverTV at gmail.com. Also on the website where you can find the second website on YouTube. That's under a YouTube tab. But all the way over the right is the contact button. You can find us there as well. Many great questions have been sent in as always. Thank you guys. Look, we ask for questions twice a week. Typically, it's on Mondays and Thursdays for our podcasts that are Tuesdays, Fridays. And you guys always show up. And they're always different. I, I'm Sometimes I'm sitting there astonished by the fact, I'm like, how has that question never come up? You right. guys do such a good right. job. So thank you for really engaging and leaning into the podcast and giving us these fun questions to even think about. And I'm going to start with Eric on Facebook okay? because this could be lengthy, and I'm going to make sure that it isn't. But it could be lengthy. Are you taking the bait on something here? I'm taking the bait. Okay. He would really like to see us do a comparison with a stock car versus the same car with a few bolt-ons and a tune and compare mm-hmm. the stock versus the tune version. Eric, here's the here's the problem with this. And and we've seen it any time we've gotten anywhere near tuning. My FRS videos are a great example. The problem with tuned cars reviewed is because you now have poked the bear and people show up with well but the reason that wasn't good enough is because you didn't do this tune. And, you know, if you'd bought this exhaust over there, then it would be better. Apparently, this is my tuner voice. <laughs> if you bought this exhaust over there, it would have been better. And, you know, that tune you've got, that's a terrible tune. That tune's worse than the stock tune. You didn't pick the perfect combination for everybody watching that is the way they would have tuned the car. Mm-hmm. And now it's irrelevant for that purpose. This is coming right back to the reason that we try so hard to only put cars on camera that are as they were stock. Because that, at least, is – I'm not saying it's correct, but it's the only agreed-upon baseline equal measure for cars. This car manufacturer over here said that car's done, and this one over here said that car's done. You could put them against each other and go, this is the way you said ready. True, true. So that's why we do it. Because, And this happens almost every time that I say a Volkswagen isn't fun. I get buried in emails and comments about how, well, here's the tune for the, the make. If the, you had the, only tuned it like this, then you'd discover fun. This is blah, how blah, Volkswagen blah. did it. Yes. That's the only baseline. I actually don't mind tuned cars. I was glad with the stuff I did to my FRS. I thought it only improved it, except for the exhaust. I thought it only improved it. Sure. It sure. improved the drivability. It helped the torque, torque dip. I know these things exist. The problem is it's a slippery slope where you're never doing the right version. You're also never done, Eric. I got to jump in here. That's true. It's never done. Once you start down that road, well, I got to do this because I got to buy that part because that's what the internet says I should buy for that car. Nobody, I'm not nobody. (laughs) I don't think enough people think about what they want to get out of their tuned car. What do do I want to get? What am I setting this up for? Mm -hmm. You're just buying parts. You're just, oh, I got to get that intake. And oh, that, that exhaust. Oh, well, shoot. I got to have those brakes mm-hmm. because, well, I got to have them because, uh, 
you can't explain why. You can't mm-hmm. say, well, I'm tuning it for specifically non-track driving. I like canyons. I want to set it up for this. Or you know what? I am doing a plus two camber adjustment because of track and I'm you know, yeah. buying a separate set of wheels and tires and I'm doing this. And you know, that's what I'm chasing because I'm chasing time or I'm chasing whatever that is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think enough people think that way. They just think of, right. I got to buy parts for my car because I – parts i gotta buy my monthly part for the car and here's the thing some people will tune for a specific thing some people some do people do not enough but people you're though. right the, the problem is the first the first layer of forums is the things you i'm putting this in air quotes you can't see the things you have to have for your car right, right. and so often when people check all those boxes they get to the back end and they kind of go what have i done or they might say i don't really like my car anymore yeah that both of those happen for sure which is a problem ultimately eric what I don't like about reviews of tuned cars is every time the reviewer says, oh, man, expletive, this is fast. <laughs> okay. Yes. Followed by it laughter. It better be. Yes. It better. Yeah. Some sort of cackling and a loud exhaust and okay. But it's that car. It's not one you can buy at the dealership. It's mm-hmm. not one the rest of us can buy That's a good point and too. share yeah, yeah, what yeah. you're loving about that car. Yeah. It's that one owned by that owner. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. I don't care. You're, I don't care about that car. You're driving a unicorn and nobody else will ever have the chance. That's Which is why point. it's so yeah. interesting to come to the Mazda 3 Turbo and have a talk with the engineers and say, well, we tuned it this way mm. because this is the buyer we're going after. We want to reach many people who appreciate blank about mm-hmm. a car, mm-hmm. tuned it specifically for that. And yeah, it might compete over here, but some of that market we were kind of ignoring. That's why it's not a Veloster N. It's not a Civic sure, Type sure, R. Sure, yeah, yeah. It doesn't need to be. That's not what they were going after. Mm. Different market. That's why it can't be compared against those cars and why it was so hard to find the right car to, mm. to, to compare it against. And then it was very difficult, and this, this comes full circle, to find a Golf R that hadn't been tuned. It's hard. It's hard. That's much harder than you think. <laughs> Petrolhead2003 is asking me a design question. What makes a car age well? Does a car aging well simply come down to the design language of a car, or are there other factors involved like technology or the era in which the car was designed, regulations, etc.? You're absolutely identifying all those kinds of factors. I'll liken it to paint colors. What cars support gorgeous paint colors and what cars don't support gorgeous, beautiful, bright paint colors? The 60s Ferraris, mm. the Jaguars, they, su- they support beautiful, solid mm. color mm. Wow, that old Aston Martin is stunning. Look how simple that body side is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just defined by some fender flares and the front face and the shape, the silhouette of the car, and that's really about it. Yeah. Those surfaces are really what design define the car. Let's look at the nineteen ninety five Ford Taurus. Must <clears> we? <throat> Must we look? I'll bet that wasn't in your memory. No. That's that's a that's a Bad memory we're digging up. But all right, keep going. That didn't age very well. Is this the house shoe one? The one that was actually designed to look like a house shoe? Anyway, moving <laughs> I don't on. I remember if that was the inspiration. I hope not. But those surfaces, crazy enough, didn't age well. <laughs> <laughs> there were a lot of details that upset the design of that car, the proportions. So it's not just surface. Other things come into play. The purity of what that car is supposed to do rather than just being many things to all people. CUVs and SUVs and all that kind of stuff. There's pretty ones. There's cool ones. But there's so many things to so many markets to do all these things very well, especially the performance SUVs. Are we going to say they're beautiful and timeless? It's more about the tool for the job. It's more about the singular purpose. I think the Honda S2000 is beautiful. Mm. It's really good for one thing. That's performance driving. Mm. It's not good at many other things. But the one thing it does really well, gorgeous. I think your Lotus Elise is really well done. I think the Caymans are gorgeous. Mm -hmm. They're really good for one, maybe two things. Mm -hmm. There's a little bit of trunk space, but for the most part, they're just a performance driving machine. Yeah, 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 for sure. So those kinds of cars that are really just for a convertible, it's just for cruising, you know, those kinds of cars that are just for that one thing which comes back to the definition of a sports car and all the future platforms that we've identified will be shared under our future sports cars. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It makes it hard to swallow, to be honest. So almost it's going back in time. I'm not saying there won't be future gorgeous, timeless cars. I'm saying there'll be fewer and far between. Mm. 
Avi Ram and then Ben Cohen actually jumps in as well on questions about the Mazda 3 versus the Golf. And something we didn't get into too much was a difference in space. Mm-hmm. They're asking which one has more space. Ben is even saying, yes, I do want to take my golf clubs in spite of the fact the guys are going to be angry. Ben, honestly, hatchbacks and golf clubs are fine. That's wonderful. Hatch, golf clubs in your that. SUV, fine. Yes, yes. I have no issue with the fact you want to put golf clubs Great. in a vehicle. It's just let's not make the sports car bulkier because we must fit golf clubs. This was the side rant. <laughs> anyway, sorry. But I actually think if, if memory serves, the – Golf R has slightly better rear seat space yes. than the Mazda 3. It's not enormously different, but the Golf R, because look at the, the profile of the two cars. Right. Okay. Right. The rear seat space is a little bit better both for legs and for head in the Golf R than it is in the Mazda 3. I think the hatches were similar in shape, but not similar in height. Mazda's a little bit smaller, a little bit trimmer. But they, they've got yeah. a very similar width, and the, and the Mazda 3 hatchback is pretty deep, actually. Yeah, true. So, true. so it actually had pretty good space. The golf fine for golf clubs. The golf beats it a little bit in in rear seat usage, but again, I'm freakishly tall apparently, so I'm not supposed to complain about my extra vertebrae. Mm. Kirk C is asking if all-wheel drive makes a good CUV handle better. Like the CX-5, would all-wheel drive, the all-wheel drive turbo version, be better for twisty roads than a front-wheel drive turbo? Assuming all of the things being equal and not really needed, all-wheel drive, it's not mm. Coming back to the manufacturer tuning, mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. we discovered with the Mazda 3 Turbo and the CX-5 Turbo is that extra torque will engage the all-wheel drive system to be able to push or pull you around a corner, depending yeah. on yeah, what yeah. you're doing. And we liked that. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't just the all-wheel drive system, because many SUVs and many CVs are just front-wheel drive, don't have the power. You'd think it'd pull you through like a dart. Not necessarily true. It, it in many cases, doesn't. It yeah. depends on the transmission, depends on the weight of the car, depends on tires, all those things. What engages those rear wheels on a front-wheel drive bias SUV to even be involved? That right. is paramount. So, yes, it does have to do with that all-wheel drive system a bit, but it has to do with how the manufacturer tuned that to, mm-hmm. to do what it – that's why we like that CX-5 Turbo so much because this is the company that builds the Miata. Mm-hmm. Same people, and now they apply it to an SUV. It really, truly, it sounds like the – Captain Obvious kind of moment. Sounds like marketing speak, but it, it's there anyway. It really yeah. does, but it's there. It, it They apply that kind of thinking to their CX-5 Turbo, which we discovered and go, well, this handles great. Mm-hmm. But that extra power has the torque to get you through that corner, to push or pull you around, again, depending mm-hmm. on what the tires are doing. But we like that. And there are some manufacturers whose all-wheel drive systems are always late to the party. I'm not going to name names, but they are front-wheel drive chassis, and the all-wheel drive engages in the rear axle when necessary. And those systems are only helpful because you are losing traction proactively in a slippery situation. For right. performance driving, right. they help you none at all. Ford Race Fan had my last the last question for me on this podcast. Remember, we have an all-questions podcast coming up in a week, and the Valentine's podcast will be all non-car person car questions. So be, be prepared for both of those. But he's asking, any preferences or dislikes on types of steering wheels? For example, he doesn't like a car with a wood or carbon fiber on most of the steering wheel. I have a couple of things here. First off, I'm not a big fan of Alcantara. I just, over time, okay. I've decided okay. it, was, it was interesting at first. Okay, sure. And now it's something I don't want. I just want a leather steering wheel. I don't like wooden steering wheels where, the, where there's wood under my hands, with the possible exception of classic cars. I think classic cars really are really thin. Yeah, that's all. Then, then that's there's, all yeah. there's information in the really thin steering wheel. It's still not the, the material I want, but there's something about classic cars that get away with it. Sure. Okay. Sure. I, but I don't like the, the wood accents on a modern steering wheel. I'm like, what do we do? I don't like yeah. wood accents, period, yeah. in most cars. But the wood accents on a steering wheel, that, that never – I know this sounds weird. It always feels cold and uninviting. Okay. So it's like a nice, traditional, leather-feeling steering wheel. There's like some near leather that some manufacturers do on lower-priced cars that when you, when you pull your, your hand away, it makes that like sticky mouth sound. It's nasty. I don't like that at all. You're like, your hands are sticking to the wheel. And it's like, it's 60 degrees out. It's not like it's a hot, weird, muggy day. What's going on with this material? That's awful, right. too. Right. Uh, I, what I like about manufacturers doing materials on steering wheels is they're inadvertently telling you where to put your hands. Yeah. The top part of the steering wheel is a different material. And therefore, also, when you turn on the heat for a steering wheel, mm-hmm. 
only that nine and three position warms up. Yeah, yeah. So or if you're Tesla, there's only a nine and three position. They do, they can't <laughs> put the, your hands anywhere else. We made a yoke. It's gonna be great. Right, it worked right. great on the kit car. It was awesome. <laughs> oh, high praise indeed. Yeah. No, I I like the different materials. So I do like you know a leather with carbon fiber. I like the visual breakup of materials, mm-hmm. but I like what it's doing for drivers to tell you. Put your hands here. Mm, this is sure. how you should be yeah, driving yeah, yeah. because when the materials are broken up, so one hand is on a different material than the other, it feels odd. Mm-hmm. You won't That's keep good. your hands That's there. Good. So yeah. I like from weirdly from a safety perspective, mm. not just mm, sure. material breakup. But I do. I like Alcantara more for high performance driving. Weirdly, yeah, anymore. I, mm, I don't. I, I'm I, not I a fan of it, it. I find it grippier, but for the most part, I I could just go with a leather steering wheel. My wheel on the Cayman is all Alcantara. Mm-hmm. I love it on the track. Mm-hmm. But it gets it's starting to get like a little bit worn in places. And, you know, it, again, great for grip mm-hmm. when you're doing high-performance driving. But the rest of the time, it's not really necessary. And when it's at its best is when you actually are wearing gloves to then grip it yep. even further. Yep. That's yeah, when that's I really like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the rest of the time, I could go either way. You always surprise us, as Todd said, with your great questions. Thank you very much for sending. Keep them coming. Keep your car debates coming. What are you guys thinking about buying? Let us know. TV at gmail.com. We're definitely looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone. <laughs>